You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello Broncos country. It's once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I'm your host Carl Dumbler and of course joining me today is Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, how you doing buddy? Doing pretty well. I think this is day 13 of hashtag socially distancing. So it was sunny today. Got a nice walk in with the wife and she's preparing to defend her dissertation, which is a week from today. So I mean, things other than not going to work, working from home, Things are pretty normal here, which is, I guess, good. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I My job has been a little weird because my job's pretty much dealing with people all day. And so not being able to be around people has been kind of weird. But, uh, hey, we're making it work. And we got lots of football stuff to cover today. We're going to talk about some wide receivers. We might even talk about a punter. Broncos making a move for Mr. Sam Martin of the Detroit Lions today. So i uh, got lots of things to cover, but make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can find me at Carl Dumbler MHH and Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. Of course, the podcast Twitter account at BTB Football Pod. And uh, make sure you subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating. Also, don't miss out on going over to milehighhuddle.com of the Maven Coalition and Sports Illustrated. Lots of content going in there right now. And, and also just know that this podcast is powered by Overtime Media. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so the the main thing we wanted to, to get to today is pretty much everybody and their dog is mocking a wide receiver to the Broncos at 15 and, and really good chance <clears throat> do what? a few cats as well. There you go. But uh, th- there's a good chance. The Broncos try to figure out a way to get one of the top three wide receivers in this draft. And uh, sorry, I'm changing my mic there. 
there we go. Uh, but what happens if they don't? A lot of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are they doomed if they don't get a wide receiver at 15? Don't think they're doomed. They're doomed if uh, Drew Locke doesn't take a step forward or there's a rash of injuries. But now there's a lot of a lot of ways this could go, obviously. But right now, the biggest thing like you're talking about, the Broncos, and we'll see if these sources are you know going to be 100% correct because let's be completely honest, this season they've been as hit or miss as any, you know, any year they've been because this COVID-19 there's less people in there. So a lot of these sources don't have their typical connections. So, you know, that's, but again, this has been going on since way prior to COVID-19 outbreak. So, you know, we'll see. I, I think the biggest thing though, is that the Broncos chances for one of the top three wide receivers at 15 seems to be diminishing by the day. Yeah, it does. As we get further away from that Oakland game, it does make you question a little bit that victory. I mean, it, how much is that really going to play into next year? And how much is it really going to cost them of either having to trade up to get one of their wide receivers or missing out on the guys that they really wanted? Um, like you said, there's other guys that they can get. This is still a very deep wide receiver class. So let's not oh, get. I'm sorry. Tisk tisk. I know. That's my bad. Um. I forgot completely about that thing being there. So, uh, but yeah, it's, but it is the position that seems to be the most glaring after free agency. I mean, we're not done with free agency, but it's still most of their big moves are done. And And three of the wide receivers that made some sense potentially as a wide receiver two slash three came off the the field today. You had, uh, who was it? Philip Dorsett, who's a speed option, went to the Seahawks, which, man, they really stacked up some speed there. I'm going to be really interested to see that offense this season with Russell Wilson. And then also you had Brashad Perryman going to the Jets and Roby Anderson going to the Carolina Panthers. So, I mean, Paul Richardson is still out there. Taylor Gabriel is still out there. But really those options becoming less and less viable, I guess, is the way to look at right. it. Luckily, well, it's a really good free agent or a draft class at wide receiver. Right. And that was kind of the funny thing is you and I were talking about this earlier today. And I was like, well, maybe we can look at talk about free agency and some guys are still out there. And then like, they all disappeared. Yep. It was like, Oh, well there goes half our talking point right there. Just gone. Uh, But, but you're right. It's, it's one of those that is such a glaring need right now, but if they miss out, there's going to be some other options out there. And so I wanted to kind of get to, I guess maybe thinking about each round of the draft, and we don't know exactly where guys are going to go, especially after you get past the first round. It gets pretty much a guessing game after that. I mean, heck, but, the Broncos two years ago said we didn't see a scenario where Bradley Chubb fell to the fifth pick. Yeah, five. Like <laughs> I, that's probably just disingenuous. But like, right? Not? Like the predicting what's going to happen at fifteen, you can kind of have an idea. But then you have craziness. I mean, every year nobody saw Clellan Farrell going to the Raiders at four. So. You know, things are crazy. And also I see a bunch of people say, hey, you are not broadcasting on YouTube. It does say on the corner here that we're broadcasting on YouTube, but um, I am going to message Chad right now to let him know that. So sorry about that. But uh, yeah, you're you're right. It it does get a little bit crazy, but I I do think we have a a decent idea, at least in the second round of some guys that maybe could be there for our pick or or get pretty close. It, It wouldn't surprise me to see the Broncos trade up if they miss out on one of 15 trade up in the top of the second round into the first round kind of thing to go get a guy. But uh, right now I think your first round locks, of course, are CD lamb, Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs, 
Denzel Mims? Maybe. Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims, Jalen Rager. I think there's a pretty dis- big distinction after those top three guys. So, yeah. you know, if you want, and especially year one impact. Yeah. You know, like I just, unless you're looking, you can find like slot receivers. I mean, you have Hunter Renfro's every single season. So that's the, you can find slots pretty much. I mean, Cooper cups, et cetera, those little niche slot receivers, they don't bring a lot of value. You get much more value from guys who are impacting plays down the field, but uh, you can find receivers day one, day two, day three. But I think right now it does seem like the Broncos are trending towards wide receiver at 15, if possible. And and it does look like uh, YouTube is working again for anybody that was trying to get on it. Just so you guys know. Um, And this is kind of the, uh, the, the question of the day kind of, Justin, we really appreciate it. Uh, always coming in. Uh, always, always loved your questions. But uh, if none of the big name wide receivers are at 15, what's best available at 15? Uh, the, the It's hard to predict right now. Um, my guess is the top four offensive tackles are gone, or at least the top three. And then Andrew Thomas, if you're, you're thinking about him being in that top 15 discussion, uh, you got to probably think three quarterbacks are going to go in the top 15. Isaiah Simmons is going to be gone. Jeffrey Akuda. Yeah, Akuda is going to be gone. And so maybe Derek Brown falls there. I've seen some scenarios where he does fall to the Broncos there at 15. Uh, Javon Kinlaw is another one that could possibly fall there to to 15 for the Broncos. But if all those guys are gone, who's your next guy up? Well, the way it's trending right now, I think the most likely area that you're going to see, if it's not wide receiver, it is probably one of those defensive tackles or maybe Andrew Thomas. Maybe there is some talk that Jedrick Wills is viewed more as a guard than a tackle, but that could make him drop. And I also think Andrew Thomas, again, I still think he's many people in the media are going against people in the league from what I'm picking up as far as Andrew Thomas being this top 10 prospect. You know, he's a guy with a high floor, but he has pretty poor balance you know, on the ground a fair amount, and he's got heavy feet. He struggles against speed rushers, and they think it's much more just physical limitations than it is actual technique stuff, where Tristan Wirth, sometimes you'll see him cheat a little bit to the outside and he'd get beat across his face. So I think Andrew Thomas or one of those two de- interior defensive linemen are probably the most likely at 15 if wide receiver is gone. However, I'll be completely honest. I don't really – I'm not a huge Andrew Thomas fan. I'll be the first to admit that. You know that. He's my guy that I'm probably the least big fan of as far as the – the big yeah. offensive tackles. I'd even call it the big three offensive tackles and not include him with Beckton, <clears throat> Wills, and Wirfs. But yeah. um, after, I think the, probably the most likely thing would be that interior defensive lineman. Granted, that's not the best value. You know, I mean, you, you'd live with it. But Derek Brown, he's kind of having a tumble. A lot of people, he's, he's a much better run stuffer than he is a pass blocker. And he was on a really good defensive line as well. So how much value are you getting in that? You know, if you can't impact the, pass, the passing game at a high rate, you can find run stuffers. I mean, yeah. that's, it's kind of like running backs, you know, they're available, they're around. So, and Kinlaw has the knee questions. So really right now you're painted in a corner where wide receiver makes the most sense at 15, even though it is a deep class. I think that those top three guys are much different than the rest of this class. Right. And I also think there's an argument to be had where I think those top three guys are differentiated enough compared to the ones that you're going to get day two than what you're going to see at offensive tackle. I really like the depth of this offensive tackle class, and there's a number of offensive tackles that are going to go day two that I think have as good of a chance coming out as the best offensive tackle in this class in comparison to those top guys than other way around with wide receivers. Right. No, I'm with you there. Uh, so th- that's why I, I am kind of leaning. With, I, it would not shock me one bit if the Broncos are a trade-up per team to make sure that they get their guy and just get that 
that need taken care of and don't have to worry about trying to to reach for a player or get a guy that's that they just don't believe in as much. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and that kind of I mean this ties into uh, uh, Stu McPeak coming in with a donation here as well. Uh, who do you who do we take? Hey, Stu, I hope things are going in going. I see your picture of Seattle. If you are in Seattle, I hope things are going well there. I have a friend who works in infectious disease epidemiology there, and it sounds like just chaos. So hope hopefully you and your family is doing okay up there. If you are in Seattle, this is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. For sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it, let, let's say the top three wide receivers, top three offense tackles, all those guys are gone and we're still sitting there at 15. Yeah, I, I would hope for a trade down at that point, uh, just because I, I, I'd feel like I'd be reaching for somebody at that point. Maybe I, I know you're not as high on this guy. I'm starting to get higher on this guy, CJ Henderson. I know you're not as high, but I, I'm starting to like him. Uh, we have a friend who he's a big Florida fan has really hyped him up to me and I've started becoming a believer. He's oh, just man. allergic to tackling. I just, I have such a hard time with it. If I you're know. playing that, you know, leave him on an Island outside man coverage that you saw with Wade Phillips and also Joe Woods, I'd like, I'd be a little bit more okay with it, but just because how much one-on-one tackling is important in this defense, I just, yeah. that scares me with him. I, just, I understand. I understand. I just, I, I'm going for the upside because he is one of the few that can be a true number one corner in the NFL. Yeah, I mean he's, he's got the length, he's got the he's got the speed, he's got got yes. a lot of he's got most everything that you're looking for. Uh, Doesn't have that dog just, in him though. I know, I know, but uh, I, I still would take a chance on him. Uh, that that'd be my guy if if we have to stay at 15 and all those other guys are gone. That's probably who I'm starting to look at. Uh, quarterback to me, I saw this somebody say this in it, but I think it's a great example. Last year, wide receivers, how many did we have going the first round last year? Was it two? I think, I think Enfield so. Harry and Hollywood Marquise Brown, but you had a bunch of day two wide receivers, a big you know, glut of that. And I think that's very similar with cornerback this year yep. Where the round one cornerbacks, you know, there's talent. Maybe somebody will take them because every team could use more cornerbacks. That's just the nature of the game. You need four guys, honest to God, because you're going right. to rotate them and everything, but there's going to be a bunch of cornerbacks go day two. So that's, that's just my opinion on, it. I mean, I really like, I've watched the Auburn guy. I don't want to butcher his name. Noah Igba, big banana. He, Mm-hmm. who's got a lot of upside. I mean, Bryce Hall makes a lot of sense for this defense. I love Jalen Johnson for this defense. So th- there's, there's a number of options there. Yeah, the, there are. Um, and the, the only issue, like I was watching a mock draft today uh, of some people doing it. And, and I think a lot of NFL teams can have the same mentality as well of like, everybody's looking for that trade down because they want to see what kind of value they can get. But most of the time it doesn't happen because you got to find a trade partner that wants to go up. It's always yeah. hard to find somebody that wants to go up. And so there has to be somebody there that's worth trading up for. And uh, that might be where Jordan Love, you have to really hope that he's impressed enough teams for somebody to want to trade up for him. Um, so, yeah, th- there's just so many things that play into this right now. Uh, like I said, I do think the Broncos, th- there's a good chance they might be that team that trades up. And I know Paul coming in, really appreciate it. Uh, Paul, always uh, always a fan of you, man. But uh, trade down, please. The top three wide receivers are gone. 
like I said, it's just always hard to find that partner. Yeah. Uh, the Broncos found one last year and it worked out really well for them. And I think it's for Pittsburgh. I think it's one of those few win-win situations that's worked out for both teams. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out as we move forward. But uh you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me. John's always looking, or John Elway. I'm sorry, just calling him Johnny. We're, we're good friends. Oh, yeah, we are. You guys are sorry, both avid golfers. <laughs> and somebody asked me earlier, what am I drinking? Is it a Hefeweizen? It's got that light color, but actually it's a hazy IPA. So drinking local. Go. Got to support local business during the quarantine, yeah. right? I'm, I'm drinking the the good stuff, the, the water jug. A <laughs> jug of water. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so I, I just – I, I hope that that is what they can do is they can find some value if, because right now, yeah, there's not another wide receiver that's worth it at their 15. There's not, I'm not worth Andrew Thomas. Isn't really worth it to me. Like I said, I mean, CJ Henderson tackle, would be it's a deep tackle class. Yeah. Like I would be 0% surprised if in two years, Prince Tego Onogu or Lucas Niang are better than Andrew Thomas, but yeah. also Andrew Thomas. I mean, I think Andrew Thomas is going to be really good out of the gate, but you see that three to four year, learning curve with offensive tackles. So I wouldn't judge him based on those first two years, but now we'll, we'll yeah. see. I, we got another question here from Joseph. Oh, there you go. Yep. Justin Fogel coming in. Really appreciate it. Uh, from a statistical standpoint, what do you guys think Melvin Gordon needs to hit in order for this deal to be worth it? 1100 scrimmage yards plus eight touchdowns. That sounds about right. I think maybe yeah. 1200 scrimmage yards, just you know, asking for a little bit more, but it depends. I mean, if they get another wide receiver that could change allocation, of resource. I mean, you got Philip Lindsay there. Really, the biggest thing is they need to be more effective in the red zone. And he that's yep. one thing that Melvin Gordon's brought, and he's also a good pass protector. He's not Austin Eckler as far as receiving back. I mean, a lot of the receptions that he has are just simple dump-offs. So he's not running anything complex. You know, he's not going to make people forget about, you know, a Christian McCaffrey. But, you know, if he does that, I I just I haven't I still have a hard time paying that that much salary to a running back. I would have rather brought in, you know, uh Roby or Nickel Roby Coleman, Derek Wolf, maybe paid uh, Rashad Breland today, but it's just again, I think running backs is probably one of the more easy to, to, to find positions in football. So. You're, you're right. I I've come around on this because of how much a veteran is important for this system with Drew Locke. Hmm. Uh, of not having to bring up a rookie and hope that they can pick up the system because Phil Lindsay's not a great blocker. He's not a great receiver. And, and Melvin Gordon, he's pretty darn good as a blocker. Uh, he's got his ability, like you said, in the red zone to, to score touchdowns. Uh, he, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes other than he does fumble. I, I will say that part of it on there. But, uh, but uh, yeah, he does fumble a lot. <laughs> That's something he's really got to work on here. But, uh, but beyond that, he, he fits a lot of the needs that the Broncos have at the running back position. And, and it does feel good of not having to worry about a rookie coming in and making a huge mistake that costs you a game. So, I think the biggest thing for me is that it's a two-year deal. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a chance for him to cash in, and the fact that you're able to get him for two years, yeah, I mean, use him up. Use the heck out of him, and then yep. sayonara. Because the right, right. then is when Philip Lindsay's contract comes up, if you're going to want to pay Philip Lindsay, we'll see what these next two years hold. Yeah. But it'll be interesting. I, also, Paul here with the uh, Long Island Ice Tea money for Nick. Honestly, <laughs> it's been a bit since I've had a Long Island Ice Tea, but those are pretty darn good. I might need to get back to the, uh, the liquor store if I'm going to hold up on those for this uh, – the social distancing quarantine. Let's say yeah. I, f- I saw a meme. It was like, everybody's going to come out of this quarantine, either really good cooks or fat or an alcoholic. And I'm like, yeah, probably both. But um, <laughs> yeah. So back to football. <laughs> All right. And David coming in here. 
I always appreciate it, David. Always, always enjoy talking and going back and forth on Twitter with you, buddy. Uh, he says, don't assume Denver stays put at 15. Of course not. Yeah. You can never assume anything. It's, it's yeah. impossible to predict what's going to happen at 15. How's that it old saying go? Uh, assuming makes a, out of you and me. Carl, you can't <laughs> say the word. I cannot. No, I can't. In the Bible, I think. <laughs> well, talking about a donkey, but. Well, the Broncos. I mean, <laughs> come on now. We can tie it all together. All right, but, all right. um, we'll see. I did see Albright today was hinting that the Broncos might be looking to move up to 10 or 11 and that yep. the two teams, if I'm deciphering the tweet correctly, that might be trying to make that move would be the, uh, the 49ers and the Broncos. So I think the 49ers have their eyes on maybe rugs or Judy. It does seem like all of a sudden, a lot of people today were talking about, you know, rugs, rugs, rugs. So I don't, I don't think rugs gets past 11. I think that the jets, if he's there, that's, that's where he's going to go. They, I know they need offensive tackle help, but I don't think that, Becton or Wills, who seem to be emerging as the, the one and two offensive tackle at this point, uh, at least to league consensus, will make it to their pick. So Worfs won't get past 10. And if he, right. If Worfs is at 10, I think that makes it much harder for the Broncos to get a wide receiver because I think their trade partners likely have to be the Browns, maybe the Jets. Maybe the Jets want to move back a little bit, but it'll all be, it'll be interesting. I mean, there's some talks that the Browns love Ezra Cleveland, but not enough, enough to take him at 10. Do they love him enough to take him at 15? You know, that's It's all this this posturing right now that we're at for this next whatever month, month and a half until the draft comes. So we'll see. All right. Terry Randall coming in here. Really appreciate it, guys. And uh, we'll try to get to as many questions as we can as usual. Uh, but uh, he says, if we stay at 15, do we try to get two picks in the second? Take advantage of the wide receiver class. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag Nick's beer fund. Man, Nick, you're going to be, you're gonna be I- set. I have to drink every time somebody hashtags Nick to be a <laughs> uh, It's not my yeah. choice, honey. I ha- they just kept donating and I kept getting <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I mean, say at 15, we'll see what happens there as far as wide. Re- I mean, it sounds like the Broncos are looking to not only double up a wide receiver in the top 100, but also potentially offensive line, whether that means two offensive tackles an offensive tackle and a center. It's a pretty good center class. So I could see the Broncos moving up right now. My dream just, you know, close my eyes and dream would be the Broncos getting won't happen. This is why it's a dream, but Henry Ruggs and then getting Cesar Ruiz in the second and then using those third round picks and trading back up for Lucas Niang, who, I mean, if you could walk out with Ruggs, Cesar Ruiz and Niang, that's, that's, that's a home pretty, run. That's, that's a damn good job. Yeah. That's a grand slam right yeah. there. If, if yeah. I ever saw one and uh, put up points. Yeah. <laughs> They spent on defense a bit. I mean, spent on offense too, but gosh, I mean, I know that everyone, there's a lot of debate on, oh, you, to play Kansas City, do you have to focus on stopping them or keeping up to them? It has to be both. I mean, you can't just focus all in on one side or the other. You have to be able to not only stop them, but also put up points. So that's that's just how it's going to be for these next, gosh, I hope just a few years. But as long as Patrick Mahomes is there, yeah. if you're not putting up 24 points a game, you're going to have a hard-ass time to score. Oh, I said yeah. ass. Sorry, Sorry, girl. <laughs> <laughs> All that. All work. right. Uh, I just I, I've seen a few people talking about Jamal Charles coming to Denver. Uh, so Yordy has this one coming in. Says, "Do you guys think that Melvin Gordon will have a bigger impact than what Jamal's Jamal Charles did?" Yes. If he Jamal, doesn't, then we're yeah. in trouble. Right. Jamal didn't really do much here in Denver. Uh, it just it was a nice thought, but they never utilized him hardly. Well, his uh, knee kept flaring up. I mean, he yeah. wasn't healthy. Like he would go out there for practice, and his knee would flare up again. 
And so he never really was able to play again. So, you know, that's just how it is. And that's one of the things that's scary about paying running backs. You know, their bodies, the best they typically are going to be, unless you have very rare anecdotal outliers like Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson, the best they're going to be is on that rookie contract. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's definitely the two-year deal. There's not a long-term financial obligation. So it's it's not the worst. Yeah. And then uh, this is a big one one there. I know. Uh, I just thought this is this is important because I, I think I think some have understood Mile High Huddle has really um, kind of been down on the whole Melvin Gordon signing, and it's not it's not the player that, that's never been the issue. Melvin Gordon has talent. Uh, I'll just take that off of there. Uh, get, hopefully, people got a chance to read, but it's pretty much just saying that the Melvin Gordon is a very talented player that knows how to do things on the field and is, has shown some talent obviously in his NFL career. And, uh, and he is able to pick up a lot of first downs, all those kind of things. Um, and all that's true. So yeah. again, it has nothing to do with Melvin Gordon, the player. It has everything to do with, with paying a running back, that kind of money. It, it wouldn't matter what running back it was. We, we would be, pretty frustrated i mean i'd say christian mccaffrey's worth that kind of money because he is a true receiving option you know you you, got to bring more than just being a uh, go pick up some first downs in the run game kind of guy and 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 melvin gordon's more than that and and like i said i I like him he's an upgrade over royce freeman for sure i mean there's no doubt about that Uh, melvin gordon has actually i mean if you're you're a fantasy football person he's been one of the most uh talented running backs in a fantasy football perspective because he scores a lot of touchdowns. Wasn't it his rookie year? He didn't score a single touchdown. That was yeah. like a huge thing. And then all of a sudden everyone's freaking out. And then, yeah, yeah then okay. he goes out and scores about a touchdown a game. Um, so it, it just kind of, again, you just got to kind of think of it that way of, of it's more the contract side of things because yeah. running backs, it's been proven over and over again that, most of the time, a replaceable level running back coming in for him, there's not this huge drop off that it has more to do with offensive line. It even has more to do with wide receiver on the success of the run game than it does on the actual running back themselves. Now, I will say Melvin Gordon has I think he's tops in the league since 2016 in broken tackles. So he does make something for himself. Again, th- th- that's never been the question that he is talented It's just a matter of, is he worth a contract at that kind of money? This is the Overtime Podcast Network. That's a good question. Uh, I guess we'll find out. The issue is just the economy for me. I mean, you're paying a lot for a resource that there's ample supply. But again, you had house money. You're able to do that because you're not paying much on offense right now. So we're going to see that. We got to do have a question here from Paul. It's 15 for Chicago's two seconds. Is that too far of a jump for you? Uh, asking for a friend. Yes, that's too far of a jump. <laughs> yeah. Chicago would need yeah. to offer so, much more than that. Tell, tell your friend, don't do it. Yeah. Also, I see we have a bunch of comments here about lagging, but it's all coming from YouTube. So I'm going to say that YouTube's having issues there because a lot of people were saying, why isn't this on YouTube? Why isn't this on YouTube to start? I think YouTube's having some issues on their end because it's coming from nobody else. So, yeah. Did you I'm, have any I'm, issues of me lagging? No, I haven't had I think it's any YouTube. from you. Yeah, I think so. Sorry, guys, for YouTube. I'm apologizing on YouTube's behalf here for you. Um, hopefully, it's not making it too difficult to listen to us or anything like that. But because, uh, I mean, we got a lot of great things to get to here. A lot of great questions coming in. Um, let's see. 
What are some good ones coming in here? Uh, Gordon I'll cannot. Be- oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Buana Beast. Gordon cannot stay healthy. Look at two years ago, only could stay healthy for half for a half. Could have been an MVP if he could actually finish a game. Uh, I mean, that, that's obviously one of the big issues with him. I do think <clears throat> that this year in Denver, he, he does obviously have a good running partner with him, with Philip Lindsay. So he doesn't have to carry the load quite as much. I know he didn't that, that last year, but uh, actually, last year the the years the games that he missed those were not injury related. Those were just he was sitting out uh, for his actual career. I think he's only missed five games, so he gets banged up, but he he's not. They're not serious injuries. My biggest concern is the amount of money, but also the fumbling. I mean, you want to talk about taking the wind out of your sails offensively? A fumble behind the line of scrimmage from your running back can't have it. That's one of my biggest complaints with uh, Jonathan Taylor. Also, it must be a Wisconsin thing. They just got too much beer and uh, whatever you get from eating meat on their fingers up in Wisconsin, but um, just the meat sweats, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I didn't see this from Brandon Quinn. Nobody can stay healthy with LA chargers. So <laughs> that is true. That's a good point, Brandon. Yep. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that, Brandon, but uh, MRM coming in here. Uh, five, eight, nine, seven. Appreciate it. Uh, watch every prod podcast. Keep up the good work. That, that means the world to us. I mean, we we would we honestly love doing this. I mean, Carl and I would do this if you guys weren't even here. You guys make it ten <laughs> times more special, but literally just back and forth. It's just volleying, talking football, right? So yeah, and I guess we haven't even hardly talked today, but we have a question here from Nick Henson. Obviously, we want to get to some non super chats as well. Sam Martin, a better punter. I think it would be pretty hard for the Broncos to not improve on Colby Wadman. He's really struggled and his punting. I mean, that from down to the hang time to the, how he was aiming the punts. I mean, Sam Martin paying 7 million, three years to a punter. Isn't, you know, the best, but I think that makes him only the 14th highest paid punter in football. So do want to see how the contract is structured. The three years makes me a little bit nervous. And I also, I will admit because I spent some time getting to know this punter class, as far as the draft goes, which I don't ever want to have to do, (laughs) but because I've done that, I'm a little bit upset because I actually have a little bit of punter knowledge. I've taken time to watch punting and to read about punting coming out in the draft. And now that just means nothing. So I'm a little upset on my end, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's an improvement and it's something that's going to be important. I mean, how many years have the Broncos gone where the special teams every single week has been an automatic loss and it's made it that much harder for the team to win. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of the last time they have a great special teams unit. Right. It's it's been quite uh, quite a while. So, uh, yeah, I I don't mind the signing. I don't think he's obviously a top five punter in the league. He's had some pretty good years, actually. But last year, I think he was about right there on the borderline top 10 punter. I I do worry about McMahon. There's been some punters that had lots of success elsewhere that came and worked with him that failed miserably. But then you got other punters who have worked with him who had great success. So it, it's always kind of weird with him. I don't know what. I what don't the think any special teams coaches are actually specialists in that regard. I think a majority of them are about the the coverage units. You know, like they're they're better for the where you're lining up as far as the punting goes, not the specifics of you know punters or whatever. Like a lot of times, like college players, they'll go to punting clinics. Like they're they're not getting the specifics as far as you know, how to kick punt better or kick better. That's coming from like actually talking with other punters and there's kind of almost its own small fraternity. So McMahon, who was he messed with? Uh, gosh, Marquette King. King? Yep. King. Yeah. So uh, 
I don't think that's, I mean, while they are special teams coaches, from my understanding, I've never been a special teams coach, but from my understanding, it's more about like the coverage units and stacking those things up in the plays as far as punting goes, kickoffs, et cetera. Yeah. All right. Angela, uh, really appreciate it. And uh, this is a great question. <laughs> I've seen this one from a couple of people um, just it's throughout this week. Yeah. Another beer fund. There you go. All right, I got to go. Uh, but Angela says, or asked the question, uh, YouTube was not showing it then bad, getting better. That's great. Glad it's getting better for you guys. What's with eight tight ends? Why no releases yet? Hashtag Nick's beer fund. Well, I think the biggest thing is you have to weigh not only Hireman's money. I think you can save almost a million dollars, 875,000 going with Nick Vanette instead of Hireman. But also if Nick Vanette doesn't make this team, you can cut him and I, you can actually very likely recuperate a compensatory pick later on. So the Broncos will have to, I think you're going to see Hireman and Vanette battle it out in training camp as far as that goes. And with the other tight ends, I mean, obviously no offense, a lock. I'd say Andrew Beck is a lock as well, but you you're keeping one or two of Austin Ford who got hurt last year, you know, undrafted free agent. He flashed, but he was still an undrafted free agent coming off a serious injury. Troy Fumagalli, who's been, I mean, he's a fifth round pick. How can you say he's a disappointment, but he's not been great. And then you also have uh, Jake, Butt, which you don't know anything about. So, and also, did they bring back Bug Howard? I think he maybe signed him to a futures contract at the end of the They might have, yeah. So, you know, right now there's a lot of tight ends. They're going to have 90 guys on this roster, to my understanding. I don't know how that number has changed with the new CBA. They're going to cut it down to whatever. So, you know, there's going to be a bunch of tight ends right now. We'll see what, hopefully the cream will rise to the top. There's a fair amount of injury questions with a good amount of them. So, you know. Yeah, with this offense, it is more of a one tight end system. But you, you do need a blocking tight end. So, I mean, that's why they, they made the signing. And and uh, Hireman, he's actually a decent blocker. Yeah. So it's worth letting those two compete compete and see which one's going to make the roster, which one's not. Uh, but you're right. All these guys have a lot of injury concerns. And last year, it was getting pretty slim pickings by the end of preseason. So <laughs> I don't think they want to run into that again this year. But uh, yeah. all right, James Campbell coming in here. James, buddy of ours. Trade so. up for Judy Lamb rugs or have modest trade down and target Rager Mims. Also thoughts on Cesar Ruiz as a first rounder. Stay safe, everyone. Uh, so personally, I'd rather trade up a little bit just because th- th- there is, there's such a drop off. Like I, I like Rager. I like Mims, but they're, they're not rugs. They're not lamb. They're not Judy. And I think there's three wide receiver ones there. And then after that, it's a bunch of good wide receiver twos. Yep, exactly. But, I mean, every year, it, it depends. I mean, here, here's a good question for you. This is totally off topic. We'll probably get some questions, super chats in here. But let's say the top wide receivers here, Rager, Mims, uh, Jefferson, Judy, Lamb, Ruggs. Do you have an NFL comparison for each of these guys? Put you on the spot. Not, not a great one, I guess. I have two I mean, that I really like for Rager and Mims. Okay, go ahead. With Rager, I really see Golden Tate. Okay, that makes sense. A guy who, he's got a little bit of twitchiness to him. Maybe not the most speed, but he's thick. He's built low to the ground and can make plays down the field. Uh, And then with Mims, I see a very, I see a lot of DJ Chark. You know, he's he's not doing a lot as far as over the middle goes, but as far as stacking guys, as far as uh, playing the leveraging and playing a boundary receiver, I see a lot of DJ Chark when I watch Denzel Mims. Yep. Nope. That, that makes sense. Um, I, I guess, I mean, Judy. Uh, Antonio Brown. Maybe. Yeah. 
I, I guess that'd be a really Antonio Brown's, I would say has better hands. Yes, absolutely. You're right. And probably has a little bit better long speed than what Judy does. But I mean, that's, we're, we're talking about Antonio Brown when he was actually functioning, <laughs> he was the number oh, one. Wi- yeah. So before Vontez perfect. Yes. Uh, so he was the number one wide receiver in football. I mean, so that that's what we're comparing here. So, of course, Antonio Brown's going to be a little bit better at a lot of other things. I'm still taking Julio. But I fully believe that boundary guys are more valuable. So <laughs> I see. Okay. <laughs> I know you're the, you're the route runner. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I think that's a good one. Lamb, I've seen a lot of DeAndre Hopkins. I also see some Devontae Adams. I think that's an interesting one as well. Yeah. And then with Ruggs. He's such a unique player. Everybody wants to say Tyree Kill. He's I don't think he's Tyree Kill. I don't think he's got the thickness or the same level twitch that right. Hill has. I also mm-hmm. don't think calling him Tavion Austin or was it John Ross? That's just totally disingenuous. You're you're just right. saying that because you don't like him. You're you're right. lying. You're calling he, on he's, yourself. He's closer to Hill than he is to those guys. I think the one of my favorite comps, which I think this guy would have been very fun if he'd have played this decade instead of the last, but uh Santonio Holmes who was, I mean, a blazer at Ohio State, a lot of speed, but not just a speed guy. I mean, he could win uh, slant routes, comebacks, the screens, really, really good player. Also one that I've had for, speaking of those old Steelers, but how about Heinz uh, Ward for C.D. Lamb? I mean, just strong, yeah. good hands, not the fastest guy, but just catches everything and what just, just tenacious, just yeah. angry, plays angry. I, I, I keep thinking of Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall in, in the open fields, once he got the ball in his hands, could do things a lot like Lamb. I feel like Lamb's a little bit more athletic. Marshall was bigger too. I think Marshall was like six four. Right, yeah. Marshall's a little bit bigger, but Lamb was a little more athletic. But uh, just the hands that you see, the ability to like just be creative and do things, you're just like, how did he move like that? Uh, Marshall would do a lot of those kind of similar things. Um, and then I, I did see, oh, I guess Cesar Ruiz, I do think he's a bottom of the first round. Uh, I forgot to get to the second part of that. And Justin, yeah, coming in here, another yeah. drink, 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 talk draft. I'm going to have to call him the wife to give me another beer. <laughs> I saw a video earlier of somebody. Uh, there we go, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. I saw a video earlier of uh, some lady that was doing a video live chat or something like that. And her husband walked in in his underwear and he tried to run away and ran into a wall. Yep. yep. Been there. Been there. Yeah, my wife just recorded a uh, lecture today because TA and whatnot defended her dissertation. I had to be quarantined in the quarantine in the room, and she also used my computer, so I just literally sat in here on my phone for however much time. And honestly, I was watching football. I was watching football on my phone. So yeah, get that. Uh, all right, Kareem Go- Gomez. Uh, he's Friend been working on a mock draft as as the Broncos GM actually that we've been helping him. Well, not really helping. He he's doing fine by himself. But the offensive tackle depth stands out to me. Any day, two or three prospects that you would like to see end up in Denver? Yes, I threw out two already. I mean, I really, I really, really like Lucas Niang. His tape. I, this last year he played with an injury, so. Again, the injury is the biggest concern there with him. But in 2018, he looked like a – I mean, he'd be right there in the conversation with these guys, in my opinion. He's big, he can move, and he handled Nick Bosa and Chase Young in that TCU-Ohio State game. So I think it's a hip injury this past season. I don't have the notes directly in front of me. That does concern me, especially this season, as you're not going to have those visits and everything. Luckily, the combine, you know, you got to get some information there. But I really, really like Lucas Niang. He's – if he's healthy. (laughs) I also – Ezra Cleveland is interesting. Obviously, yep. Prince Tega, Wanogu, Isaiah Wilson. I mean, th- there's Matt Pert. 
is another one. There's there's a lot of offensive tackles this year that'll go in the top 100. And yeah. obviously, offensive tackle is a position that pretty much every team needs. So we'll see how they fly off the board. But you know, a lot of people talk about the Big Four, but I think that people and a lot of people talk about the wide receiver class being deep. But wide res- offensive tackles in the same vein. I think this, yeah. the, the talented offensive tackle is just as good, just as deep. Right. And there's a lot of really nice developmental pieces. Matt Pert, yeah. like you'd mentioned, uh, Akeem Adeniji is another that guard. probably, but you know, he did show some ability to be a, a versatile player there at the senior bowl. Like you said, Isaiah Wilson's pretty raw, but he's a monster. I mean, Austin if we talk, Jackson. yeah, Austin Jackson, I'm not sure where he's going to go. Cause this last year wasn't, his best tape by any means. It's interesting though, because the reason his tape, some people say the reason his tape wasn't so good last year is because he donated to save his sister's life, his bone marrow. And that made him extremely weak. So he lost an entire off season of development. You know, he couldn't practice. He couldn't work in the weight room because he was so weak because he did a bone marrow uh, donation slash transplant with his sister. Uh, Don't quote me on the specifics, the medical specifics of that one. And, but that did cost him a whole season. He's big, long, he moves great. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Joey Richards. I I think this is a great question to ask right now. Is it risky going to the draft with Patrick is wide receiver too? It would be, if this wasn't a great wide receiver class, it's just, you're going to be able to find somebody of some value that can at least be a solid two slash three year one, even as a rookie that you can find. And I always think of like, you try to fill as many holes as you can in free agency. So you don't have to reach in the draft, but not you're, you're not going to be able to fill every hole. It just, it's not possible with the the salary cap, the way it is, even the chiefs are going into the draft with some holes. Their, their cornerback group is terrible right now. They've lost some, some pretty good guys. I mean, Fuller's gone. Breland uh, could be, yeah, he's still out there, so we'll see what ends up with happening with him. But but their cornerback cl- uh, room is pretty much gone from the Super Bowl, so they got to re- retool that, and they don't really have the cap space to do some of that. Um, so again, you're, you're talking. I mean, even their offensive line has a lot of holes. They just lost their center, so they need to, to replace. With, is it Wisniewski? Yes, Stefan Wisniewski. Yeah, who also started and, on uh, the Eagles team that won the Super Bowl. So right, and so. Right. So it just, it's even the best teams still have holes when they're going into the draft and for the Broncos, they have decided that because this is a great wide receiver class, they can take some risk and hoping that they're going to get a guy to, to be able to fill in there. So uh, I, I'm not as worried about it, but yes, I, I've seen a couple of people say the Broncos are, are fine at wide receiver. If they have to go into the season with Patrick and Hamilton, <laughs> I don't see how the offense really takes that next step. The only way it takes that next step is if Noah Fant takes a monster step forward. And he can't just be a a low-volume, explosive output guy. He needs to become a high-volume target, which I'm not sure will be the case. So that'll be interesting. Right. Uh, Justin coming in with another question. And I really appreciate all the questions coming in here, guys. But uh, should we get another Sutton or speed to help? I prefer speed. At this point, just because, I mean, you're making them have to have a variety of cornerbacks and and defensive setups to be able to cover these different receivers. It allows you, if a team likes to keep everything in front of them, uh, that you have guys that can beat them underneath. But if they like to play tight man-to-man coverage, then you can beat them over the top. You, You can just beat teams in so many other ways than if you have a lot of the same similar receivers on the field. Yeah, I agree with you. So... I think one thing that's interesting here is they don't need essentially another 
a big body guy unless they bring speed or yak ability. That's something that's underrated. I mean, obviously right now they don't have a speed option, which means that defense they don't have they can crowd the box. They can have defensive backs sit on routes. You know, there's not really that threat that if they get beat, you're screwed in that six points. So I think speed is probably the most important thing, but getting a guy who can run solid routes and bring a yak ability is I would say just as important. And I see a bunch of questions here from uh, Jody. Oop, go ahead. Oh, I just call your wife, bro. <laughs> Sorry. Next time I have to bring in more beer for you guys. This is this. I did not expect this to be so much. Um, but uh, I got a question here from uh, Jody uh, Moncrief as well. He's not as big of a fan as Ruggs. I think he said last week on our podcast that uh, or Ruggs will be a bust, called it. But uh, is Worfs a guard or a tackle? In my opinion, the thing that's nice about Wirfs is that he's either, uh, which is, I mean, great. That's what adds value. But unless you are set at tackle, bringing in a guy like Wirfs, you start him at tackle year one. If you're set at tackle, you can play him at guard and then move him eventually. But just because tackle is so much harder to find, more valuable than guard, there's no reason to have a guy who has his specs you know, move into guard unless he fails at tackle. If he fails at tackle, then you can move him to guard. But... I don't know why the NFL is all about this. They keep taking guys who are solid tackles and trying to make them play guard. There are no good tackles. There is like probably 20 and there's 64 starting tackles. Don't just move a guy immediately to tackle unless they fail. It just doesn't, I don't understand the value. I don't get it. So, but yeah, you're right. He he can play both. I I always think of that, uh, that gift. That's the little girl going, why not both? Yeah. And uh, he he can do both. Um, And then I saw this one come from Buana beast. Would this year's defensive line class be the worst over 10 years? It has an argument for that. I would have to look back and stack them up. I think this is an okay defensive line class. There's a massive drop-off after Brown and Kinlaw, but I really am a fan of Jordan Elliott out of Mizzou. Mm -hmm. I think he's got a lot of tools. I really like Ross Blacklock a fair amount. I think Justin Madubuki from Texas A&M is a solid player, but and uh, Devon Hamilton, a guy that's pretty underrated, limited snap rotation, but flashed a lot at Ohio State. But honest to God, if you're asking me, I think the best bet this year, maybe you could sign a, or get bring in a lucky Fotu, who could be a good nose tackle, I mean, a massive pocket pusher. But I would bring back Derek Wolf. I mean, I think this whole the COVID-19 thing and players not being able to travel and whatnot has hurt him as much as you know anybody because yeah. he's not able to go in for medicals. So you might be able to get in Derek Wolf for a one-year prove-it deal, which is – crazy and unfortunate for him because I'm a Derek Wolf fan, but then you can kind of squash that need for another quality three, four or five tech type and just let the draft totally fall to you. And if there's one there that makes sense right. when you're picking fine, but that's, that doesn't seem to be the strength of this class in comparison to offensive tackle wide receiver. And honestly in the top 100 cornerback as well. Right. I wanted to get to this one from Robert kitchens. Am I the only one that thinks Patrick and Hamilton were pretty good with Locke? The problem is pretty good doesn't beat the Chiefs. And I don't think, I mean, Hamilton flashed the last two weeks. I'm going to pull up Patrick's stats now. Um, but I don't think Pat, Patrick had his best game against the Vikings, if I recall correctly, because I, mean, I think Cortland Sutton made some circus catches and then they started playing double and triple coverage on him. But yeah. uh, Patrick also, how much can you trust Patrick? He's been injured uh, pretty much almost every other year of his career. That's a reason that he's not been around the league. Also, he his best role, in my opinion, is the backup to Sutton. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, okay. So against the, uh, against the chiefs, Patrick was targeted seven times, holding three catches for 26 yards. Okay. Against the lions, which had the worst 
this is some from built are the, uh, the scout side preview that we do every week during the season to talk about the upcoming matchup. But um, he had five catches on six targets for 48 yards, but that was against Detroit, which had Darius Slay, great cornerback, but then their mm-hmm. second and third cornerback was the worst in the league. So yep. every, everybody else could eat. And then the last week he had one catch on two targets. So Hamilton did, you did see Hamilton see a, a surge in targets, uh, especially with Drew Locke escaping pressure, able to find Hamilton over the middle of the field. He's got some value still as a slot. I honestly, if they win in this year's Hamilton as the third receiver, I'd get it. Wouldn't be the worst yeah. as far as that true slot receiver, but I, you don't want, I don't think you want to go into this season with those two guys as your number two and three receiver. It's honestly, right. it's a disservice, not only to Locke, but to Sutton as well. Right. And, and, and my thought is there, there were a couple of plays where, where Hamilton made the catch there at the end of the year. But you put that kind of speed in the slot from Ruggs or Judy, and that all of a sudden turns into possibly a big play for the offense. And, and you look at the best offenses in football, and they are not the grind-it-down-the-field kinds. that They can pick up big chunks when they need to. Yeah. And, and they, they know how to, to do that on the field. And right now the Broncos pass Sutton, and, and fans can do it too. Don't, don't get me wrong. But they just don't have that next other weapon to be able to really take pressure off of them and really open things up and and have that big play that really just makes you go, that's why they won the game. I mean, the the Chiefs this last year, just look at how many weapons they had. The 49ers, look at how many weapons they had to be able to target that they they could just really make teams have to cover every inch of the grass. And and also just one-on-one, good luck. I mean, trying to tackle those guys in the open field where Hamilton, he catches it, and it's pretty much he's down. Tim Patrick, he catches it, and he's down. And and again, they're good number three, four, five wide receivers, but to have them as your true number two or to not have another guy that can help really take the pressure off and open them up as the number three, it just it's setting you up for not having the, the most dynamic offense that you can have. And like I said, with the you, you've said it too. To beat the Chiefs, you got to score points, and I'm just not sure with them on the field how many how many points you can really add to the offense compared to last year. Yeah, absolutely. And here's we're talking wide receivers here. Somebody we haven't really talked about. Uh, thoughts on from Tina Fairchild here. Thoughts on wide receiver KJ Hamler and Lynn Bowden. So KJ Hamler, Penn State, and Lynn Bowden Jr. The I think quarterback from Kentucky, but playing wide receiver now. Um, but uh, Bowden probably going to take a little bit to transition to wide receiver, maybe see some wildcat kind of stuff with him early on, as well as some, um, you know, you have to have some manufactured touches in there with somebody who's going to be as raw as he is coming in good athlete. But I mean, is he a wide receiver yet? Probably not, not yet. And with KJ Hamler, I like KJ Hamler's speed, but he is so diminutive that I, you have to have a perfect throw for him. He's the catch radius is very small. I mean, essentially he needs to be, what the Broncos were hoping Isaiah Sim or Isaiah McKenzie would be, you know, he's more, he's, he's as much gadget as he is wide receiver. So some athletes there for sure. But given the Shermer scheme and what he asks these guys to do, as far as route running go, they might not be good enough in that regard, creating separation for themselves uh, yeah. to be good, if, good options for this team. I'd be more a guy we haven't even talked about yet, but Brandon Ayuk from Arizona state would be, I mean, more interesting to me than a KJ Hamler. Yep. He offers a little bit more versatility in what he brings to the field. He's got those long arms to help him to have a really long catch radius that you were just talked about, that he doesn't have to have a perfect throw to, to go make a play. And, and he's got a little bit more build to him that he can hold up to a lot more, I think, 
uh, of what you're going to be asking him to do. Um, I, I did like this question coming in from Hoosier. Uh, if they got rugs, would he play boundary with Hamilton in the slot? Probably a little bit of both from some slot and some Z, but I think that would probably be the most of your wide receiver sets. I mean, it, it depends on what they draft, but Ruggs' best work has come from the Z. So that's that's where I'm probably utilizing. I mean, he's actually had some X, X routes as well. He's been taking a lot of press because Alabama, for as good as their wide receiver core was this past season, they didn't have that true big body height, weight, speed guy. You know, they had Waddle, Devonta Smith, Judy, who was pretty much exclusively in the slot, a vast majority of his work in the slot, and then Henry Ruggs. So I think you could see some slot work from Ruggs, but he also could play that boundary rule just fine. That would probably be the... If I was setting it up in Madden right now, that's how I would set it up with Cortland at the X, uh, Rugs at the Z, and Hamilton at the slot. Yeah. And uh, Angela coming in with another one. I really appreciate it, Angela. Appreciate all of you guys listening in here. Uh, we're going to take a few more questions before we get out of here. But uh, does Spencer have enough speed and or talent to take the top off? Look like he had a CFL to NFL adjustment. Some guys are fast, but that doesn't always translate to their wide receiver ability. So Spencer, I mean, he's was a really good returner last year. I think he made the Pro Bowl, but I mean, I know when people count Pro Bowls, it's nice for the player, but I don't really hold it for them or against them. I mean, it's a popularity contest most of the time. Yeah. So I think that he could yeah. offer some speed element, but you don't want to go into the season as him being the only speed guy. I mean, we saw it last right. year. They used him in kind of a gadgety role, but they're like tracking the football, running the routes, just was not his forte. Yeah. Do you uh, do you know what he ran at his pro day? I have no idea. Four two seven. Pretty good. He's a yeah. fast guy. Granted, pro days are you can <laughs> add a tenth of a second and probably be a little bit closer. Right. Because yeah. Indianapolis historically, there's a reason I like to have it all there. But Indianapolis historically has a slower track, and also sometimes at pro days, oh, which way is the wind going? It's going to be at your back today. Yeah. So, you know that's that's why they want to have as many guys test as they possibly can, so the the numbers are as uh, standardized as possible. Right. And, and I guess for me, it, it's, it's kind of one of those things where Spencer, I mean, you could use them in that role, but I, I feel like it's kind of penny pinching at that point where you're, you're trying to, you know, buy the, the dollar tree price for something that you need, uh, you know, top of the line kind of thing to, to really be able to operate at your top, Top ability. Sorry, that was not a very good analogy there, but uh, I was really struggling to figure one out there. But it, it is, it's kind of trying to plug and play somebody and hoping that they can just work. I've seen a few people on the, the Mile like High Facebook off-brand page. Right. Yeah. There you go. And, no, and hoping like it that works. it's going to really, yeah, uh, that you're, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll stop there on that one. But, uh, <laughs> but, it, but it is. And I, I've seen a few people just say, oh, just take a speed guy in the third or fourth round. And while okay. the Broncos Ooh. could, they could do that. It's just still not going to be at the level that you could be. So yeah. and also, you, there's not, this is a good class and there's a good amount of fast wide receivers. It's actually one of the faster wide receiver classes, but as far as guys who are actually categorized as speed receivers, it's much more limited. So, right. I mean, obviously I, I am a huge fan of Hightower out of Boise state. He interests me a lot. And there's some other guys as well. There's the, Watkins from Southern Miss who ran really well out of the combine. Devin Duvernay offers some speed as well. You could probably get Devin right. Duvernay in the third, honestly, because he's, while he's got speed, it is pretty straightforward. That dude is pretty stiff. 
Um, but it's, I mean, it's a good class. You can still find some speed later on. Again, going to shout out again, Hightower. That's my guy of choice, but yeah, you can and, find and it. And Hoosier brings a good point here. If Spencer's out there, the defense basically knows they just need to cover his fly route. Or a potential uh, bubble screen. Right. And so it, he is very limited in, in what you have to worry about, where a guy like Ruggs, he can run the in routes, the slant routes, the the comeback routes, the the deep out routes, all those kind of, I mean, he can run the route tree. Yeah. At, at Alabama, they make them work on the route tree. Uh, that's easy to see that they are one of the more advanced programs when it comes to what they ask their wide receivers to do. And, and so, yeah, Spencer, it's just, you're, you worry about his speed, but because you already know it's coming, you're already doing your backpedal when you go. Where Henry Ruggs, you start your backpedal, he's going, thanks, I'll cut inside, here I go. So yeah. just some some little differences there of why Spencer, I, if they have to go that option, then they have to go that option. But there's better options out there. So I guess, you know, this whole point of this podcast has been to say the Broncos can't get one of the big three wide receivers at 15 uh, teams. Unfortunately for the Broncos teams picking 11, 12 and 13 all seem like they are leaning towards wide receiver, maybe even the Jags at nine. Um, but day two options at wide receiver, who are your guys? Well, and let's uh, rule out, I mean, let's rule out Jefferson Mims and Rager. Let's assume that they go before the Broncos second round pick. Okay. Is Chenault still there? I think Chenault is there. Okay. I think the injuries are such a concern and that again, you can't, there's no pro the pro visits, so right? Guys who are injured are going to slip that much more. Uh, second round. He's worth it there. That, that's a place you can take a chance on a guy with an injury risk like that, because he, he could be a top 10 player in this draft with what he can bring to the table. I don't think he's, I saw somebody ask a question earlier about whether he's a good fit with Shermer. He's not the perfect fit. He's not a great route runner yet. And so he doesn't get himself open as much as he could. He, he's he's mostly he's athlete with good hands right now, and he's got to learn the the little dynamics of what it means to be a wide receiver. So that would be one for me. Brandon Ayuk is another. Uh, Donovan People Jones. That That's is hard. one that needs to be said more and more for the Broncos. Uh, even if they take wide receiver in the first round, that's another guy I'd love to go see them get in the second. Or third. In the second. Okay. Well, I, even in the second, I would think about him just because he is, I, I think he was one of the most held back wide receivers in college football this last year. Shea Patterson will do that to somebody. <laughs> yeah, he will. I just think he could have had such a, a better opportunity. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.